chapter 11, John chapter 11, verse 1, John chapter 11, verse 1. This might be a really quick message because um, I'm hungry. I, uh, I, you, you may not have known that the fast started today, so you had breakfast. No worries. You can start tomorrow, and you can fast to the 30th. I'm joking. But uh, I knew, so I couldn't. I couldn't eat this morning, and I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. You ever notice how when you're fasting, you just sleep all the time? It's just like if, if, you're, not, if you're not eating, there, there ain't nothing else to do but sleep. I really encourage you to join this fast with us. Look at somebody next to you and say, don't play with it. Come on, find somebody else. Don't play with it. I don't want to hear none of this foolishness about I'm, I'm faster from Netflix faster. I'm only going to watch Hulu. I, 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 don't, go, no. I, don't, I don't want to hear that garbage. Come on, take, take, that, take that somewhere else. So, I don't want to hear none of this social media fast. I'm, fa- I'm fasting from social media. If you fast from social media for 21 days, do that and fast from food. Come on now. I'm doing a 6 to 6 fast. Which means I'm only drinking water from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That, that's it's called a Jewish fast. That's what I'm doing. So if you see me at Ruth Chris at 7.30 at night, just keep walking. Why are you there? Don't, don't judge me. Pastor, I thought you were fasting. Well, you're here too. So why we even have this conversation? <laughs> I'm doing 6 to 6. Maybe you've never fasted before in your life. Pastor, that's a lot. Okay, here, start here. Maybe just say I'm not going to eat meat for 21 days. Boy, if that ain't a sacrifice, I don't know what is. That's like purgatory. What in the world? Someone's like, Pastor, I'm vegan. That's what I've been doing my whole life. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> pray for your ignorant pastor. Some of y'all might want to do a Daniel fast. You're real spiritual. I'm going to do a Daniel fast. Go ahead and do your Daniel fast. Now, I need to understand that. Are you going to wear lotion? Are you going to bathe? Because Daniel did none of those for 21 days. So are you really doing a Daniel fast? Here's what I'm asking, that you'd sacrifice. We pray to touch God, and we fast to disconnect from our flesh. And the combination of the both are going to bring miracles in our lives that are going to bring glory to God. John chapter 11, verse 1, and it reads, Now a certain man was sick. Somebody say he was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother's Lazarus was sick. So said, just in case you're not sure which Lazarus this was, this was the brother of that chick who, 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 who took all her Remy and scrubbed Jesus' feet with it and took perfume that was so valuable. Whatever you make, whatever your salary is for a year, and a year's salary, The Bible says that's how expensive her perfume was. Many people believe that that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they believe they was balling. One reason why they believe they were balling because they said it was Martha's house. It's it's uncommon at that time for a woman to own a house, and if she owned a house, she was balling. Another reason why they believe that they were balling is because when Jesus was in their house teaching, there was enough room in the house for all of his disciples and so many people from this city to sit at the feet of Jesus. These people were most likely very affluent. It says that as that Mary's brother died, therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. I love the guilt trip. Did you catch that? Like, Jesus, you love Lazarus. You got to heal him. I mean, I can see if you didn't love him. Like, I mean, maybe whatever, but, but you love this guy. He's sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. What he said? He ain't going to die. 
He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Father God, we're grateful that you are here, that you're opening heaven over this place right now, God, in every room that we're gathered as we're watching online. Speak to us, transform us. One step closer to who you have us to be. In that just name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody shout amen and amen. We're starting a brand new series today. If you're new to Union Church, we preach in what we call series, which are usually about four to six weeks on one thought or one topic. One of the reasons why we preach in series is hopefully to keep the message short. I always have more to say than can fit in one weekend. So I say, hey, pastor, why don't you just break it up over a number of weeks? And then the other thing is we're not just preaching just for entertainment or a good idea, but we actually want to get the word grounded in us that it can produce something in our lives. Somebody came to me and said, man, pastor, I think that was a really good message. It was much I preached. I said, do you think it was a really good message? I said, we won't know for about six months. You can't tell if a message is good the day it's preached. You can only tell if it's good over time if it produces life change and the promises that God. Where, how many people, I'm here to see something come to pass in my life. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking this thought, this idea of fine print. The name of the series is Fine Print. And we're going to be unpacking God's word. How do I read the Bible? How do I understand the Bible? Is the Bible still relevant in 2022? Because you see, when it was written, they didn't have the issues that were... Do, how do I trust that the Bible is accurate? I mean, there were 40 different authors, and there's all these different books that they left out. Can, can I really base my life on that? Here's a whole series. Yes, trust it. But I'll make it a little deeper than that, and I'll break it down over these next four weeks. It is going to be amazing. But here's my whole goal from this series. My goal is that you would fall in love for the first time or fall in love again, Baltimore, with God's word. You, you, you may have heard this saying before. Many, many pastors have said this before. If you see a Bible that is falling apart, chances are it's owned by someone whose life is not. Come on, think about that just for a moment. If I'm ripping apart God's word, I'm tearing it into my life, then, then chances are my life's not falling apart. My life's falling apart. Chances are my Bible is pristine and unused. My, my, my wife and I had the privilege. We went on vacation uh, this week, and, and we were pumped. We, we, we've been planning this vacation for months. And some of y'all like the first week of January. It's kind of a strange time uh, to, to be on vacation. Well, well, I work uh, for Christmas Eve uh, and Christmas and all that other good stuff. It's kind of just kind of like the busy season of the church and all the Christmas Eve services, Thanksgiving outreach, and all this other good stuff. So we, we kind of limp into Christmas, and then after Christmas is where we're just like, Okay, we made it. So we got on a plane Monday. We were pumped. We woke up early. And I said, oh, no, it snowed Monday. We were just like, Jesus, if you don't get us out of this city, like, I don't know what we're going to do. We got to go. So we get to the airport at about 7 a.m., which is, I mean, it's just early for me. I don't know how I'm going to do 6 a.m. for prayer, but we're going to make it happen. But we got there about 7 a.m., right as they're boarding the plane. We get on the plane, and we sit down. And if you fly, you kind of are used to kind of plane patterns. And if anything breaks the pattern, you start to get nervous. So we get on the plane. We sit in our seat. They board all the passengers. The last passenger gets on the plane but they didn't close the door. 
You know, usually when the last pastor goes in and close the door and they say, hey, it's time to turn your cell phone off. And none of us turn our cell phones off, at least I don't. And, you know, and then they say, hey, buckle up, put your seat up, we're getting ready to go. None of that happened. Five minutes goes by, ten minutes goes by, door's still open. We're just sitting here and it's like, all right, we got a problem. Next thing I know, the pilot comes across the, the intercom system. And by the way, if you're a union church and you're a pilot or you're a stewardess, God bless you. We love you. But you people are, I don't know what you people, y'all got to understand. There's life and death in the power of your words. We're, we're, we're sitting on this plane and the pilot said, hey, we're going to be de- delayed just a little bit. One of our engines won't turn on. I said, say what now? And then this joker had the nerve to say, don't worry, somebody's coming to give us a jump. <laughs> Listen, I've driven a lot of cars in my life. Most of them were the ones with Christmas lights all over the dashboard that you had to jump it before you go anywhere. I'm all right with a car not needing to jump before it runs because if it stops, it's not going down. I don't, I'm not okay with a plane that needs to jump. He said, we got one engine working, but we just got to get the jump for the other one. I said, is one enough to keep us in the sky? What if we need a jump at 30,000 feet? How does that work? So we sit on this plane, no joke, for an hour and a half, waiting for this jump to happen. And they're getting on every 30 minutes. Well, we don't have one. We got to borrow a mechanic from the airline next door. I'm like, if you're my competitor... I ain't trying to help you jump your plane. I don't know if I want the competitor next door to come jump this plane. Anyway, it took them an hour and a half to get the engine on. You guys saw Monday morning. By the time an hour and a half had passed, the pilot says, hey, good news. The plane is working. Bad news. There's so much snow on the runway. We can't take off. We're going to have to wait until we are able to shovel off the runway. Y'all can go ahead and get off the plane. It's going to be a while. Listen, when they get you off the plane after you've been on the plane, you might as well go home. You, you, ain't, you ain't going nowhere. It, it's a done deal. So we get off the plane. We're sitting in the little gate area. Three hours goes by, and they send you little stupid text messages about your flight has been 30 minutes delayed. It's been 30 minutes delayed. Ten, nine different. Why don't you just tell me the final delay instead of every 30 minutes harassing me? So we're sitting there at the gate, and after about two or three hours, my wife says, I got to go to the bathroom. And she gets up, and, and she leaves. She leaves, 15 minutes goes by, 30 minutes go by, 45 minutes go by. She didn't come back. And I'm like, if this is not the worst Monday, I'm talking about 2022 is the year of purpose. 2022 is the year of Monday. We are misery. I'm stuck in the airplane and my plane's not taking off. I just lost my wife. I don't know what's going on. I call her. I say, hey, babe, where are you? She said, oh, I'm in the executive lounge. I said, you're where? I'm eating soup and crackers in the executive lounge. Like, so when were you going to call me? <laughs> Apparently on our plane ticket, on the fine print on the bottom of the ticket, it says this ticket comes with access to a lounge that not everybody has access to. Because I preach a lot, I travel a lot, and I get plane tickets and... I don't even look at them. Just take it, swipe it, get on a plane, sit down, take me where I need to go. I don't read the fine print because I have no need for the fine print. My wife was living an experience that was better than the experience that I was living because she read the fine print. Oh, he's finally preaching. I was wondering where this was going, but... I'm sitting at a level of misery 
that I did not have to sit at. And it wasn't because there wasn't something better for me. It's because I never read the fine print. Oh God, how many believers have never read the fine print? How many believers are living in an experience below what God died on the cross for them? To, but because they've never read the bottom of their ticket. Some of us grew up in a faith where salvation is just a get out of hell ticket. That, that, that whenever you die, you just cash this ticket in and you go up and don't go down. You, you, you know how that's not good when you're 18 and you have no intention of dying until you're 120? I did read that Bible verse. God's promise in 120 years. We'll see how that goes. You, you know how that's no good when you're 50 and you have no intention of dying for another 50 years? If my entire faith is based on an event that is decades away, it will not affect my reality today. But hear me, Jesus did not die on a cross just to punch your ticket to eternity. Matter of fact, we talk about heaven more than Jesus talked about heaven. When you hear Jesus preach, Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. He said, I came that you may have life and my life more abundantly here. There are so many believers that are living beneath all that God has for you because you've never read the fine print of what you have access to here on earth because of the blood of Jesus that is on your life. Y'all, it's time that we read the fine print. Over these next four weeks, I'm going to teach you how to read God's word, how to memorize God's word, how to find the promises of God, how to activate God's word in your life. Yes, God's word is a book of rules, not rules to harm you, but rules to bless you. Yes, God's word is a love letter from the father to his children to let you know that even if his eye is on the sparrow, how much more does he not care and love and have a concern for everything that affects you? There's power in the word there's hope in the word there's joy in the word there's purpose in the word there's solutions in the word but all that's next week I just have one simple thought for you today the name of today's message is the missing miracle and I think because we don't really know what the word is or can I say it this way who the word is that there's a miracle that we're missing out on that God has for us. The, the, the Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Can you read that next line with me? It's underlined. Come on, Baltimore. And the Word. Come on, Columbia. Say it one more time. And the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word. Leave the verse up. Y'all ready for the whole message? It's going to be right here. This is Jesus. This doesn't just explain Jesus. This doesn't just reveal Jesus. This doesn't just tell us how Jesus wants us to live. This, this is Jesus. Whoa, Pastor, that's a really bold statement. That's going to go crazy. I don't even know. Like, where would you get that from? The Bible? It says, in the beginning was this, and this was with God, and this was God. And then it goes on to say, he, who's he? The word. 
He was in the beginning with God. Watch this. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Watch this. Everything you see came from this. Everything that was created come from this. Everything that we experience that is of God comes from this. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Here's the whole message. This is not a good idea. This is not a history book. This is not theology. This is Jesus. And because we don't quite have the revelation that this is Jesus, we're living our lives missing the fact that everything that Jesus can do, this can do. So, so let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just give you some message. Next time you read the Bible, every time you see the word Jesus, instead of saying Jesus, say the word. Pastor, I don't know if that's biblical. John 1, 1 said he is the word. So everything that Jesus did, the word did. And everything the word did, matter of fact, let's try it together. Come on. Let's read John 11 again. Verse 3. We just read it earlier. Therefore, the sisters, Mary and Martha, remember Lazarus was dying. The sisters sent to, watch this, the word. The sisters sent to the word saying, word, behold, he whom, watch this, the word loves is sick. And when the word heard that, the word said. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the word may be glorified through it. They didn't just call Jesus, they called the word. And when the word showed up, the word said, I love Lazarus. And I'm declaring that this situation will not end in death. Everything that Jesus can do, the word can do. How would you act if Jesus was in the room right now? Can't tell you how I would act. First off, I would not be on this platform preaching. I'd be sitting down right there with you. I'd hang Jesus the mic, and I'd say, say what you got to say. I, 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 I got nothing to say when you're in this room. By the way, you didn't show up today to hear from me. Because he is in the room. And I have nothing to say that he doesn't want to say. We're all here saying, Jesus, speak to us. But can you imagine if Jesus was on earth, and you were facing a crisis in your life? Maybe you had a loved one that was sick. Maybe there was a crisis in your marriage or, or a crisis in your relationship or, or a crisis in your... Do you understand how you would move heaven and earth to get to Jesus? I mean, people quit jobs and empty out retirement accounts just because they find that there's a cure for something that they have that they said that there was... I will go to any country that has found the solution to my problem. Can you imagine... If Jesus was on earth, you know, we read stuff from scripture, like the woman with the issue of blood that fought through an entire crowd just to grab the head of his garment. And it sounds outrageous until you have an issue. And they all, I, my baby girl, Zoe, if she's sick, I will fight anybody. Literally pray for your pastor because he needs more Jesus <laughs> to see my baby girl healed. We would fight to get to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you have me. <laughs> you're not fighting to get to me. Why am I not fighting? Well, first of all, I didn't know this was Jesus. And now that I know this is Jesus, Pat, a pastor, I'm not going to lie, it's a little hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. But if I need something from Jesus, I just ask him. How do I get this? Like, it's, it's not going to talk back. Why not? There's words. How do I get this 
to produce what Jesus can produce in my life. You got to read the fine print. So many believers have this, but they don't know how to work it. So many believers have this, but they don't know. John chapter 1 verse 14, it says this, and the word became flesh and walked amongst us. That's my passion as a pastor, to teach you how to get God's word off the pages and into the reality of your existence. Let me give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. First one is this. Experience is not enough to sustain. If you're going to see God's word producing your life, if this book is going to do in your life the same thing that Jesus is able to do in your life, you have to know this book more than just experience. In our passage here, we have Mary and Martha. Their brother Lazarus was sick, sick unto death. They sent a messenger to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, the one that you love, he's sick, he's dying. Can you come and heal him? I'm going to have to preach this a different day. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'll be there. I'm I'm coming right now. You ever been waiting on a family member? (laughs) Okay, what's another one? Can can I talk about you? How many times you done lied? You going over to somebody's house for dinner. Hey, where you at? I'm right down the street. Pastor, I didn't lie. I didn't say which street I'm down. I didn't say that I'm on 95 and I'm going to Philly. I didn't say which street. I'll be right there. Here it is. Jesus said, I'm coming. And then it says he delayed three more days. What do you do when Jesus doesn't do in the time frame you've given him to do? Here's what most people do. They abandon their faith. One of the biggest mistakes people make in 21 days of prayer and fasting is believing that their miracle is going to come in 21 days. My prayer is that your miracle comes in 21 days, but if it doesn't, it may come on day 22. It may come on day 222. I'm not praying and fasting for 21 days that 21 days will have miracles. I'm praying and fasting that his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It says that that, that, that Jesus... He wasn't even busy. I'm I'm doing these revival services. I'll be, no, he was doing nothing. He just didn't come. Three days later, he said, all right, let's go to Lazarus. What does the doctor say? Jesus, you late. He dead. Jesus said, he's not dead. He's asleep. He said, no, 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 he's not asleep. They try to wake him up. He ain't wake up. I mean, he ain't wake up. He He's dead. Jesus said, did I not say this is not going to end in death? Three days later, he gets there. I could just imagine the conversation going on in Martha's house. If you've ever been to somebody's house when they're grieving, man, it's awkward. Because you, 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 you want to take away their pain, but you can't. You, you, you want to do something. And, and, and by the way, as a pastor, I visit a lot of people in grief. Can, can, can I tell you what you can do? Just be there. Don't be walking in a room prophesying, declaring, and be quiet. Your presence is comfort enough. I can just, they're, they're knocking on the door and, hey, um, Jesus is at the gravesite. Martha goes, okay, thanks. Mary, come on. Let's go meet Jesus. I'm not coming. Martha, Jesus is here. Oh, now he wants to show up. Where was he three days ago? What, why, why was he so busy that he couldn't make it here when we were in crisis? No offense, I don't need the comfort of Jesus. We needed the healing of Jesus. 
Jesus wants me. He knows where to find me. And it says Mary stayed there, but Martha went on. This is the Mary that wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. This is the Mary that in a few minutes we're going to find out that that she sat at Jesus' feet while there was cooking and cleaning and all that was going on. This was a Mary that had an experience after experience after experience after experience with Jesus. But hear me, when tragedy hit, her faith was shipwrecked. Mary's faith was shipwrecked in tragedy because her only relationship with Jesus was experience, but she had no foundation in who he was. There are so many believers that you have an experiential commitment to Jesus. Oh my goodness, when I went in church and the goosebumps and the tears that were, man, when I felt my sins washed, man, when Jesus delivered me from that, man, I've experienced, I, I, I just love him. Do you really? Because it's really easy to love him when life is good. It's really easy to love him when there are no diagnoses, there's no job loss, there's no problems, there's no issues. The issue is when life hits, do you still love him? And if your only relationship with him is based on what he's done for you and what you've experienced in him, instead of who he says he is in the word, when the storm comes, you will be washed away. You know, it's funny. Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the hall of fame of faith. It's where they talk about now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It talks about by faith, Noah built the ark. And by faith, Abraham believed for a child, even though they were past the age of childbearing. And then it goes on in the later chapters. And it says, by faith, they decided to be cut in half instead of denying Christ. By faith, they were imprisoned, they were taken into trial, they were scourged, they were beaten, they were bruised. Do you know everybody's faith that they were bragging about was going through hell? You know there's nowhere in that verse where it says, by faith, they weren't sick, they were blessed, they had nothing going on, and they still stayed. Why? Because it's drama that tests your faith. And it's not till life comes that it determines it's my faith. Pa- can't get Patrick. Patrick, come on. Take your mask off. Brian, Brian, quick, quick, quick. Come, 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 come. Can, can, can y'all give it up for my, my, my faith testers? Come on, give it up for the, for, the, for the faith testers. All right, come on. Then we can just rock, paper, scissors. Make it. One's the word, one's the enemy. Rock, paper, scissors, figure out who it is. Come, 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 come. Y'all go, you the word? Okay, this is the word. You the enemy. All right. So grab my hand. You, you, you know the deal. Just don't, don't kill me, man. I'm all people watching. And just, all right. So this is, this is the enemy. Somebody say the enemy. And the enemy comes in like a flood. And he, he comes in different ways. I'm not saying your spouse is the enemy. Somebody say amen. Sometimes you got to be real careful, especially you sitting next to your spouse. I heard the pastor, you said you're the enemy. That's not what I said. The enemy is the enemy. But sometimes the enemy uses offense to create contention in your marriage. And now y'all ain't talking for three days. And you also ain't getting none for three days. So that's real <laughs> But that's February series. That ain't this series. That's, so tell somebody that's next month. Listen, it stinks when you're arguing. It's a rough three days. Pray for your pastor. So sometimes the enemy's attack is something that's not major. 
Sometimes the attack is called cancer. And it just, I mean, come on, enemy, you're supposed to rock my life. Okay, 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 stop, 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 stop. And it pulls me from the place of faith. Sometimes the attack is that the boss that I had favor with goes on to a different company and the new boss has no favor for me. Some, <clears throat> you killing this illustration right now. Some people's Christian walk looks like this. I'm just waiting for the next attack from the enemy and I'm bracing myself from it because I don't have enough word in me to anchor me. But when I'm anchored by the word and, and cancer comes, it don't move me too much because by his stripes, I have been healed. And, and when my boss leaves and the new person doesn't have favor for me, it doesn't move me too much because if God be for me, who can be against me? And, and if the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm not washed away because the word will raise up a standard against me. God's word is an anchor to my life. It's the foundation that I'm built on. And so many of us, we have an emotional encounter with God, but no anchoring in the word. Sit up. You know what an emotion is? An emotion is a response to a thought. You didn't just get sad. You had a thought first and then you responded with sadness. The thought is like a nanosecond, so sometimes you miss that thought. And if you don't have the word in you, here's what happens when you have the word. Thought, anchor, emotion. When you don't have the word, it's thought and then just... So your walk with Christ has been up and down and up and down. Boy, when I'm high, I'm high. Oh, but when I'm low, I'm really low. No, 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 no. I need you. Anchor. If you don't know God's word, you're going to... Here's the Bible says, Isaiah... Chapter 59, verse 19, so shall the fear of the name of the Lord from the rest and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up standard against him. If I had time to, to preach this, I would tell you, it's the Holy Spirit who reminds you of the word inside of you. But if there's no word inside of you, he has nothing to remind you. Can I, can I, all my Pentecostal folks, I promise you, I scream in tongues just as much as you do. I'm as Pentecostal as they come. You're going to love me. We're going to be all right. But can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I take a step? The Holy Ghost is not enough. Because the Holy Ghost came to reveal Jesus. He came to reveal the word. And if there's no word in us, there's nothing to reveal that's why you can scream in tongues in church and cuss somebody out in the parking lot because you have no word to anchor you. That's why you can flop on the floor when somebody lays hands on you and then be in three days of depression when you come home because you need an anchoring in your life. And I'm tired of having church where you lay hands on me and I lay hands on you and I prophesy to you and you prophesy to me. And then we go back to the same dismal experience that we've been having for the last three years. No, his word said that I should go from glory to glory to glory to glory and that only happens if I'm anchored 
I'm anchored in the word. Second thought is this. Write this down. Help us, Lord. The world must come alive. The word must come alive. I love this passage. Y'all know I love God's word. I really love God's word. But I love God's word because you see Bible and you see crazy in the same story. This is a family. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, all siblings. Their family is, none, is not unlike your family. Where you may have siblings. Come on, how many people you have a sibling? It's a sibling. Come on, come on. How many only children in the room? Yeah, you, know, you got imaginary friends. That's okay. You and your imaginary friends. Y'all just. <laughs> you and your siblings have different personalities. Because you have different personalities, you see life differently. Because you see life differently, you experience faith differently. And what one sibling struggles with is another sibling's strength. And what one sibling has a strength in is another. You see this in Mary and Martha. Mary was the emotional one. Come on, I'm, I'm going to build you up emotional folks. Just wait a minute. How many, where's, where's my emo folks at? You, you, you cry watching Disney movies? Come on, be proud of it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Come on, wave at me. Come on, come on. I, boy, I just, I just get emotional. You know, they got the little, little commercials about the dogs, and I give them money, and I just, I just, you don't, just, come on, wave, wave at Come on, wait, wait, wave your hand like you just don't care. Don't be ashamed of it. Come on, that's my emotional folks. I got nothing to do with you people. I don't know nothing about how you live life, but God bless you. You, 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 you. Listen, ain't no joy like a person who's emotional has joy. Also, ain't no sorrow like a person can emotional. <laughs> Here's a strength when you're emotional. It's easier for you to experience and surrender the Holy Spirit. Because you're already in touch with your emotions. It's not that hard to connect with the Holy Spirit. It is a little hard to get you anchored in the Word. Where's my folks that you're not emotional? You just, you just, you just easy like Sunday morning. I'm one of them people. My wife was married to me for seven years before she saw me cry. She's just like, are there tears in there anywhere? What is wrong with you? I'm like, I saved my tears for a good reason. Come on, where, where, where's my, I was about to say serial killers, but that's not a good phrase. Where's my, where's my folks? You just, you just, you just even. You just not a lot of moves. Come on, wave it like you just don't care. Come on. By the way, us, us unemotional folks, we look down on you emotional folks. We, 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 when you, when you, when you crying because you're, you're tired is flat, we don't respect you. We're just like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> that was Martha. So, so because Martha wasn't the emotional one, she was able to be anchored in the midst of tragedy. We, we all have that person in the family. They're the one who plans the funeral. Everybody else trying to jump in the casket. They're just like, okay, how much is this going to cost? And, okay, we'll do it here. And They're the ones that you call to see where Thanksgiving dinner is. That's Martha. Verse 39 says this, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached, remember how we read the word now? She approached the word and said, word. Do you, somebody say, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Watch this. Mary, somebody say emotional. She didn't have an anchoring who God was. And when she went through tragedy, her assumption was God doesn't care. Here's Martha. Somebody say, not emotional. But because she was not emotional, she had also not had a radical experience with God. And when she was overwhelmed, which a lot of us who are not emotional become overwhelmed because emotional people, they just tap out and they get the rest that they need. Well, we just, I'm just keep on going. Her assumption was, God, don't you care that I'm overwhelmed? 
emotional or not, because they didn't have a balanced perspective of who Jesus was, their assumption all was the same thing. He doesn't care. Watch this. If I'm anchored in God's word, but I have not had a radical experience with God, his word becomes overbearing rules that I can never live up to. It becomes legalism and it becomes a burden and it becomes a weight and a stress. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'm not excited about the word because the only thing the word is going to do is tell me how I'm not measuring up and all I got to do this different. You know why? Because you haven't had an encounter with Jesus. Because when you've had an encounter with Jesus, you realize this is not a book of rules that I'll never live up to. This is a letter that's going to teach me about the one that I love. And the more that I know about this, the more I'm going to experience him. Can I, I already said the Holy Spirit by himself is not enough. Can I, can I get in trouble now? The word by itself is not enough. Now you're just preaching blasphemy. And how come we have professors of theology at all of these secular universities who know this word more than you do, but do not believe in Jesus? Because unless the word is revealed through the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this how shall they call on him if they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher somebody say I'm the preacher come on somebody say I'm the preacher leave the verse I gotta get you to say you're the preacher because when you see preacher you think I'm the preacher but I don't work at your law firm I can't preach there I don't live in your house I can't preach there I don't play on your high school basketball team. I, you're the preacher in your environment. And it says, and how shall they preach unless they are? I'm sending y'all. Oh, I'm a preacher how to have a great life, but I'm a preacher on how to go and be a preacher. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Why? Because if people don't hear God's word through your experience, Experience, it'll forever be blinded to them. Oh, if I had time to tell you how I preached so many messages about the grace of God and knew nothing about the grace of God. You, you ever heard preaching that was from the Bible but not from experience? And it was all the right words, but yet it carried no power. And then my mom passed away. And for the next few weeks, there was a supernatural power that got me out of bed every day that put joy in my heart and hope for the future. And all of a sudden, I realized that grace is not something for sinners. Grace is the supernatural sustaining power of God that gives you the ability to live above your natural ability. Somebody needs your experience in the word to open their lives. I'm so out of time. It's going to be crazy. If you play while I give them point number three, it also won't speed me up. Okay, point number three. Here we go. <laughs> One encounter changes everything. I, I, I mean, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to read the Bible. Verse 43, verse 11. And when he said these things he being the word this is Jesus somebody say the word somebody say Jesus somebody say Jesus is the word he the word cried in a loud voice Lazarus come forth 
And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him out. If I had time to preach it the way that I meant to be preached, this is what I would preach. Any dead area of your life, you just need to get the word around that dead area. And you're going to see that dead area come to life. Why did Jesus delay those three days? Because people had already seen the sick healed. He, he said, if I come up and I heal a sick person, it's not going to prove anybody anything about the power of God. But not a lot of people have seen the dead race. So if I come in the situation after it's dead and I bring it back to life, then for sure it is guaranteed that this could not have been anything but God. I believe in marriage counseling and I all need marriage counseling, but sometimes it's not going to get fixed in marriage counseling. God said, I'm going to wait till the divorce papers are signed and then I'm going to step in when it's already dead, dead. How dead? I mean dead, dead, like we moved out dead. And then watch me turn hearts of stone back to flesh. Watch me turn lives that have separated and bring them back together. I could give you favor with your boss, but I'm going to wait until you get fired. Because why? If I give you favor, you might think it was your work ethic. But when it's dead, dead, I mean, clean out your desk dead. I mean, you've been gone for three weeks dead. And then they call you and say, we made a mistake. Will you please come back? Not unless you double my salary. Don't you dare go back unless they raise your salary. He said, I'm going to wait until it's dead, dead. And then I'm going to step in and I'm going to do what only... That is what the word is capable of. So here we are. Have Jesus sitting on our nightstand. And like Martha, we cook and stew. We vacuum in and clean in while Jesus is sitting there <coughs> catching dust. I'm going to try this year to preach a lot more out of my Bible instead of my iPad. I got all the verses on my iPad. I think y'all need to see this. You, you know what I'm doing this year? I, I love the Bible on my phone. I'm making an admission this year to read more of this and to listen to less. This is, you do what you want. But when I listen to the Bible on my phone, I get distracted. I'm doing other things. I'm not really locked in. God says this can produce something in your life. We're already late, so can I finish the message? All right. Can y'all give me the last verse? I'm going to read it and pray. Pastor, I know how to get Jesus to produce. I don't know how to get the word to produce in my life. Here's what it said. Let me find it. Boom. Here we go. Verse 41. It says, Jesus went to the gravesite. said, they took the stone away from that place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always, what an arrogant prayer. Can I tell you what Jesus was praying? He said, I don't really need to pray because I know you always hear me. I'm praying for their benefit. He said, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Take me back to the beginning of the verse. Remember, everywhere you see Jesus, you see the word. So watch this. They went to the place of death and they brought the Bible. 
And then they opened the Bible and they lifted the Bible up unto the Father. And they said, Father, I thank you that you always hear the word. And I know that you always hear the word. But because of the people standing, I said this, that they may believe that you sent the word. How do I activate the word in my life? Take it to every dead area of your life and remind the Father what he promised about that. Yeah, there's sickness here, but Father, you promised that by Jesus' stripes I have been healed. Yes, I'm a little discouraged today, but you promised that the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. Wherever there's death, bring the word. All right, we got to pray. This is what happens when I get rest. I want to preach a whole series in one day. Can I give you one more thing? Sometimes Jesus did a miracle, and sometimes Jesus told them, go dip in the water. Sometimes the word produces by magic, by, not magic, by miracle, but sometimes the word produces by obedience. If I want to see Jesus in the area of my life, I got to obey Jesus in that area of my... Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful. God, that you sent your word to lead us, to guide us, to transform us. God, I have one prayer for our church. God, give us a hunger for your word. God, give us a passion to know you like we've never known you before. And God, that through your word that you would anchor us in our faith like never before. God, we're praying that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. I particularly want to pray for those of you that if you would be honest, you may believe in Jesus, but you do not belong to Jesus. Maybe it's your first time in an atmosphere like this. You're like, Pastor, I'm just trying to figure things out. Or maybe you're like me. You grew up in church and you know all the Bible stuff. You just never made Jesus the controller of your life. Your breathing started when you were born, but your life doesn't begin until you surrender to the one that made you. For so many of you, this is your moment right now, right where you are. If you could pray this prayer with me, God himself will hear this. Jesus will step into your life. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for loving me, for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Today, right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church, can you celebrate for every single person?